This is Tom Capone, and you're listening to Spoilers Alerts. So, welcome, Paul. How are you? It's Tom Capone. Uh, This is Spoilers Alerts, and this is episode 13 of the Oceanside High School Soccer Reunion Podcast with my very special guest, Paul Fardy. Paul, welcome. Thank you, Tom. Nice talking to you. Paul, how is it that you and I were connected? I, I, I think, you know, um, Richie Woods had something to do with you and I being connected. Well, Rich uh, and I have had several contacts over the years, and uh, he had sent me a notice about uh, the upcoming Circle of Pride dinner. Uh, I sent an email back to him. I'd love to attend, but couldn't. Uh, then I heard from uh, actually my cousin Warren Cadis that there was the soccer reunion. And somehow or other, that came up in a conversation with Rich. And then I received from, I think it was from my cousin, was uh, the the, uh, podcast. And I listened to the podcast, which was focused on Artie Wright and the uh, uh, contributions that Mr. Wright has made in the soccer program, etc., Mm-hmm. And I sent Rich a, uh, a text saying, uh, you know, this was r- really great to listen to and brought back some good memories. But I think there were possibly a couple of areas where he may not have had all the facts correct. And so then he got back to me and, and uh, said that a friend of his, Tom Capone, might connect with me and uh, and have a conversation about all, all of this stuff. And, and here we are. Here we are. Very so good. Th- there's a lot in, in the two minutes that you just shared with me. There, there are a couple of things. First of all, I forgot that you and Warren Cadiz are cousins. Yes. And Warren uh, and actually Warren's older brother, Richard Cadiz, was also a soccer player, mm-hmm. uh, played for Artie. And uh, so we have some, uh, we have three members of the family who all played for Artie Wright. Mm-hmm. Well, so that, I'm going to see uh, Warren on Saturday. Unfortunately, I, to my understanding, you're not going to be able to attend the reunion, but I will see Warren and um, I will tell him that you and I had this opportunity to, to speak to each other this way. Yeah, the podcast. Is he aware that we're doing this? No. So it'll be a, a pleasant surprise for him and hopefully he'll <laughs> be able to tune in and to hear the conversation we're, we're going to be having. Um, maybe we can go back and, and just go from the beginning. You moved to Oceanside the year that Artie Wright was hired as a uh, phys ed teacher. Is that correct? That's correct. So Artie Wright started in September of 1950, and I moved to Oceanside in January of 1951, part of the, the large exodus of, of folks from uh, New York City out to the suburbs uh, all the schools were suddenly inundated with all these new kids, and I guess every school in Oceanside was under construction to uh, increase in size. And mm-hmm. It was uh, quite an interesting period of rapid growth. How was it that the decision was made to come to Oceanside? Was that something that was um, part of the plan, or it just fortuitously worked out that way? Yeah, my, uh, my folks, we lived in Queens, and my father had started a business in Valley Stream. Uh, he didn't want to live in the same community as his business, 
and started looking around and just happened to like the the house and the location of the uh, place that we ultimately lived in in Oceanside. Where where did you grow up in Oceanside? What part of, of was over on uh, Xavier Court, which was uh, right next to the high school. So at the time, uh, the uh, court backed up against a, a swamp, and across the swamp was the part of the uh, Middle Bay Country Club. And then within a couple of years, that was all torn up, and they started building a, a high school. Was that the Middle Bay Country Club or the Oceanside Country Club? You know, I'm not sure of the... the I, I don't know the name of that, but is it, is it Middle Bay today? Well, Middle Bay, um, what's left of it is down on the uh, south side of Joaquina. Yeah, and it used to be on the north side. Right. I'm not sure if it was entirely, I just don't remember if it was entirely on the north side or if it was partly mm-hmm. on the north side and partly on, on, the, uh, on the south side. So I, I was going to ask, um, have you been able to get back to Oceanside much over the years? And what changes have you seen? But we we're actually touching upon one of the major changes in that what you're describing now is no longer there. Exactly. Yes. And, and, and I do get back regularly. Uh, in fact, I was living up until, let's see, we've been here now four years. I was living in Point Lookout. Uh, I came back from the from Oceanside. I went to uh, to Cortland for my undergraduate degree, then to the University of Illinois for graduate work. From there, I went on <clears throat> to the State University of California for my first uh, position, and then uh, eventually came back to New York in a position at Queens College and, and lived in, in Point Lookout. So and my, my parents were still living in Oceanside, uh, so we spent a lot of time over there. So how long uh, did your family and you live in Oceanside before you moved out? Well, my parents, uh, let's see, they sold a house in, oh gosh, 2000 and uh, somewhere around 2010. I'd really have to think about that. So uh, about 60 years. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm going to say that... Uh, you have seen a lot of changes in Oceanside, but maybe you can just share a little bit. What was it like growing up in Oceanside when you first moved here and, um, you know, being a part of the school system and then had a very tight knit community? What was it like living in Oceanside for you? Well, it was, it was a big change from living in, in Jamaica. Uh, there was grass. <laughs> <laughs> we had ball fields uh, in, the, in the city, the uh, parks were all concrete, the, uh, the school that I was at, the elementary school, the whole playground was asphalt. Uh, we had a, uh, a little backstop that they used for uh, playing uh, what we called punch ball and stick ball. And then there was stick ball against the wall. Um, we played football, it was all on the on the asphalt or in the streets. So coming out to Oceanside was, was a, a big change to have all these open lots and uh, schools that had actual ball fields with dirt and mm-hmm. grass. And so it was, it, was, uh, it was a good change, a good experience. I didn't hear you mention soccer in the types of sports and activities you took part in when in Queens. 
No, there was no soccer. There was football and there was uh, and there was baseball. I, I never saw soccer until I came to Oceanside. Uh, Art Wright, one of the smart moves that he made uh, early on was to introduce soccer to the elementary schools. And, and Art traveled among, uh, I don't know, it was three or four schools. I, I don't recall. He, I know he had... School three, I think school five and school four. I don't know that he did school two. But anyway, <clears throat> at least the uh, those schools, he introduced soccer. And I remember in school four that he would have us kids come on us on Saturday mornings and play games. Uh, and... If I, my memory serves me correctly, we even got into some games against the other elementary schools. Mm-hmm. So that by the time uh, uh, some of us were in high school, uh, well, we had been introduced to the game and had some skills in the game and some interest and, and, and enjoyed playing. And so Art got a good start on, on getting, uh, on recruiting kids uh, to, to play. And, and uh, Paul, you said this was uh, about 1951? 1951, yes. And what I didn't know about Artie Wright was, um, is that he began his career as an elementary teacher. I, I didn't know that. He was in elementary until, interestingly, the year that I moved from elementary school to seventh grade, Art moved from the elementary level to the junior high level. So I moved up and he moved up. And so he was still my physical education teacher, but now it was at the junior high school. You know, Paul, um, we mentioned that this is the 13th episode of the uh, Soccer Reunion podcast and everybody's perspective, the people that I've spoken to in those previous podcasts, they knew Mr. Wright, Coach Wright, um, around the late 60s, early 70s, and then Richie Woods and I played for him in 75 and 76, you had an earlier um, experience uh, with Artie and that you both began in Oceanside in 1951. So you have a little bit of a different perspective in that you have a greater history with, uh, you know, with Artie and your experiences in Oceanside. Well, uh, uh, yes, I guess it sounds that way uh, in comparison to those with whom you've already spoken. That's certainly would be the case when uh, I, I remember when Mr. Wright started varsity soccer. Uh, and I don't remember exactly, but it was 19, probably 54 or 55. Mm-hmm. And the team was playing over on what was still sort of a golf course, but the, the golf course was in transition. It was being torn up. They were building the high school, but parts of the golf course were still there. And, and that's what became the, the first field that already had was one of the fairways. I, so I the, imagine that you're talking about the, uh, the field that is adjacent to Skillman Avenue. This field was... Um, it wasn't right alongside of Skillman. No, it was a little bit too, let's see, that would be to the west of Skillman. So mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> if, uh, uh, if, you came off, if you came in from Skillman, there would have been a, a fairway and then like some trees and then another fairway on the other side. And that's where the, where the soccer field was. 
it was good grass, but it was a little, you know, sometimes your uh, golf courses, the fairways aren't exactly flat, and this one wasn't, but it was reasonably good. And, mm-hmm. and, and uh, But that was the first soccer field. And then, of course, as the high school was completed and then uh, all the fields were completed, it was uh, uh, the location wasn't much changed, but it was now definitely a, a field that was right. more suitable for those for activities. Yeah. Paul, do you have pictures of what the field and the school looked like back then? I don't. Uh, well, we'll have to just use our imaginations. But um, I, I actually do remember, as I said when we first started talking, that I, I believe that the Oceanside Country Club was just to the north of uh, Joaquina, across from where the existing golf course is now. And there used to be a pool and a clubhouse there. And they knocked that down about 20 years ago and built a, uh, you know, a number of houses on that property. Yes. So things have changed quite a bit yes. over the course of uh, the last 50 years or so. So you uh, were introduced to the game of soccer by Coach Wright in elementary school. And then you continue to play into uh, junior high school and then certainly into high school. Well, interestingly, in, <clears throat> in my situation... Uh, Art Wright, uh, every year he said, Paul, come out for soccer. But I, I played in the uh, uh, Pop Warner Football League until, let's see, ninth grade. And following two concussions, I decided that was probably not the best thing mm-hmm. for me to do. And then in 10th grade, Art said, come out for soccer. I said, ah, I'm <laughs> I got other things I want to do. In 11th grade, he said the same. Finally, my senior year, I went out for the team. Paul, I don't mean to interrupt here, but what were those other things that you wanted to do besides playing <laughs> soccer? <laughs> well, I, I, was, I, I, I was wrestling and playing baseball. Uh-huh. And in the fall, I just kind of, I was, I was playing some, uh, you know, touch football and hanging out with just friends and, and uh, working out. But uh, I just... Just didn't have uh, the interest to uh, go out for the team until my senior year. What was it? His persistence that wore you down? I mean, what was it that ultimately <laughs> made you change your mind? <laughs> uh, I think I was partly partly it, his persistence. And and as I watched, I followed the team, and I thought, well, this looks this would be fun to do, and and so I'll give it a try, and it worked out quite well. So describe your. Your senior year, the, the only year that you played soccer for Art Wright in high school was your senior year. And describe that season. Yeah, so we had, and Art had a, uh, had, had a couple of good years prior to that. Uh, when, we, when he started the program, Sawanica High School was the big powerhouse in soccer. And uh, Oceanside, you know, Art had kids who uh, were, good athletes, but had not had a lot of soccer experience. And he was okay, but not a great team. But it, when I entered high school, the team started to get better. Uh, my junior year, he had a, a good solid team. I don't, I don't remember how they finished in the, uh, in the league, but uh, the team was quite good. So I thought, yeah, I'll try out for this team. And, and uh, a couple of the, strong players on the team decided that they would play football in their senior year. So mm-hmm. now that uh, 
the team was missing a couple of guys who had played several years already. Mm-hmm. And so there were some question marks of how good this team would be. But we had some, uh, we had some pretty good athletes. Uh, we had a, a goalkeeper, Art Heyman, who was, of course, known for his uh, prowess uh, on the basketball court. Uh, we had a, <clears throat> a baseball player, Howard Kitt, who was just a, a, a powerhouse left-handed pitcher, who maybe, from what I had seen, maybe the most dominant high school pitcher uh, that Oceanside has, has ever had. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't, he, didn't he go on to, uh, to play for the Yankees? He went on and signed a, a contract with the Yankees. Uh, and how he played soccer, basketball, and baseball, and of course Art Heyman was basketball and, and the goalkeeper on the soccer team. Mm-hmm. And we had a couple of uh, players on the forward line who had had some experience. Uh, I remember our, a Romano Perkillo and a Louis Paggi that. Uh, those are names I'm, I'm familiar with, all those names. They, they had some uh, background. Uh, I, I am not sure if they, one or both of them was born in Italy. I, I just don't remember all those things. But they had played soccer before. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> it turned out that uh, Art was able to put together a, a pretty good combination of players. I think he had a, he had a good knack for... Uh, picking players and putting them in, putting them in the right position, and you, you know, what, Paul, I'm, I'm going to tell you that that was a common um, aspect shared by other uh, members of the uh, podcast uh, crew that, that that I've interviewed. They all recognized uh, Coach Wright's ability to pick the right person for the right position and at the right point in a game. So that's uh, that's interesting that you you shared that as well. And, and he had, he, uh, he, he made the practices fun. He got kids who were, <clears throat> excuse me, who were good athletes. And he, uh, he played a, a, a fast game, uh, pushing the ball up the field constantly. Not a lot of short passing. Uh, uh, but the, the, the practices were fun. The game was fun. And, and I think that was one of the reasons he was able to uh, recruit good athletes to play soccer mm-hmm. and uh, had his, you know, the wonderful success story with his, his program over a long period of time. So our team, the uh, 58 team, <clears throat> we went on actually to be the first undefeated untied team, uh, won the, the league title, then won the South Shore Championship, and then won the Nassau County Championship, beating uh, Garden City. Uh, at that time, that was as far as the uh, <clears throat> the championships went. There was no Long Island or New York State Championship. So that was 1958. Yes, and that correct. Was Ten years before the uh, 68 team, who really is um, that team is really responsible for us all coming together on Saturday to celebrate their Long Island championship. But you had uh, the experience of, uh, of winning a championship, a Nassau County championship, 10 years prior to that. Exactly. So when, when you guys all get together, just gently remind them that the 58 team was, was the first. 
<laughs> well, it's already in my notes for, for Saturday night. <laughs> I, I I would be remiss if I if I didn't share that with, with you guys. I have to tell you also that in preparing for Saturday night, I've got my hands on the program, uh, the dinner that took place commemorating the '68 championship team. Okay. Uh, a wonderful, uh, you know, resource. Uh, I'm I was seeing this for the first time, and there's so much information in that booklet about uh, the soccer program and, and those uh, players who stood out during the course of the years of their involvement in, in the Oceanside soccer. And of course, you're in that program. And it talks about how you, um, in 1962, should I say this or do you want to say it? <laughs> about your, your uh, All-American uh, status. You were an All-American soccer team player uh, at Cortland. In 1962. <clears throat> well, that's correct. So when I when I uh, graduated Oceanside, uh, and you know, most everyone from Oceanside went to college, and I really hadn't thought about college until my junior year. And we had a, an English teacher, Miss Musanti, and we had a program. Uh, not a program, a, uh, uh, a paper where we had to talk about our future aspects. Now I had to bear down and think about this. Mm -hmm. And people like Art Wright and uh, Jack Hay, who was my wrestling coach, was also a Cortland graduate, <clears throat> uh, encouraged me to think about Cortland and about teaching and physical education and coaching and and so I, I ended up in Cortland largely uh, due to their uh, advice ad, advisement <clears throat> and went out for soccer uh, immediately and played for the coach that coached uh, Artie Wright, uh, Prof Holloway. And we had, uh, we had a pretty strong program at Cortland. Uh, my freshman year, the team lost one game, and my sophomore year, the team was undefeated and went to mm -hmm. it was the it was the first uh, team that went to the NCAA's from uh, from Cortland. And in those days, it was all one division, so there wasn't a, a D one, D two, D three, right, right. all D one. And we played some schools much larger than uh, than Cortland and played them successfully. So we had a, we had a good team, and then I continued playing. Uh, through the rest of my college career and, and uh, was fortunate to have been selected for the first team All-American in, uh, in my senior year. Now, that's, that's incredible. Um, playing for Coach Wright um, in high school and then playing again for the coach that he played for at Cortland? Is that's that correct. That's that correct. Is, that is really amazing. Do you uh, see any similarities between the two coaches? Yes, very much. And I think that's Art Wright. I think following the example of uh, Coach Holloway to make the game fun. And he played, uh, both of them played a very similar style. And, and I'm sure that's why Art coached the way he did was because that's the, the experience that he had as a, as a player. And uh, it was it was just a a fun experience. It was there was very little 
downtime, shall we say, in, when, uh-huh. in playing soccer, both for art and playing at, at Cortland. Uh, did you see um, this similarity between Coach Holloway and Coach Wright? Uh, the thing that stands out for me is Coach Wright's sense of humor. Did Coach Holloway have Artie's <laughs> sense of humor? I would say no. <laughs> <laughs> he, had a, he had a very dry sense of humor, Coach Holloway. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly not like uh, Art Wright. His, his sense of humor was uh, was quite unique and, and <laughs> he was quite a funny guy. So, Paul, I don't want to put you on the spot, but can you remember anything that Coach Wright used to say, whether it was directed at you or any other <laughs> player that, you know, that, that contributes to the overall experience for you? Uh, I'm trying to think of a specifics. Uh, you know, he, nah, I, I really don't remember, but I, I do recall that he, he would have these, uh, these little sayings, you know, sort of, uh, downgrading us, but not really, you know, you come on, you, you know, you, you bananas or something to that effect. And, so th- this is, I remember bananas, but I also remember this and I used to, feel like it was just directed at me and maybe you can tell me you heard this also but he used to say to me capone you're like manure at a racetrack you're all over the place <laughs> i don't remember that <laughs> well i i hope it wasn't just directed at me i hope it was something <laughs> that he used for other players also but it's amazing how things just stick with you about uh, coach Wright. yeah and that's one of them yeah so so paul you you graduated from Cortland as an All-American, and then where did you go from, from there upon graduation? Uh, I went to the University of Illinois and received my master's degree the following year and then my doctorate uh, in 1967. Uh, it was the, at that time, <clears throat> it was the College of Health, Physical Education, Recreation, uh, and I was in physical education and we had several, uh, different tracks that you could take as a sports psychology and administration and what was today they called exercise physiology, which was the direction that I chose. <clears throat> Talk a little bit about that as, as, um, as the beginning of that part of your career. Well, the, the uh, my mentor at, at the University of Illinois was a, one of the great people of all time in terms of uh, physical fitness and uh, cardiovascular fitness in particular. And he interested me in studying the uh, mechanics of the heart and the contribution of uh, exercise to uh, the prevention of heart disease. And so when I left Illinois, I went to the State University of California in, in Fullerton, mm-hmm. and they wanted me, among other things, to start the soccer program at the university, which I did, and then uh, also <clears throat> started a uh, a human performance laboratory and started working with some local physicians uh, looking at the effects of uh, physical activity, the relationship to physical activity and, and heart disease. Mm-hmm. And from there, I went to Europe for a year, uh, had a fellowship and uh, 
worked with in Finland in this general idea, the general field of uh, physical relationship and physical activity and heart disease. And then when I came back, I, I had to make this decision whether to be primarily a soccer coach in my career or to uh, go in a more academic direction. Uh, and I chose the latter and started doing some more serious research in this field of uh, exercise and heart disease and ended up uh, at a couple of different hospitals uh, as a, a program director. And then eventually in 1988, took a position at, at Queens College, where I was for the rest of my career. Mm -hmm. Were you published at all? Yes, I've uh, written several books and, uh, oh, a hundred or so published, published uh, articles. That is, that's amazing. And, and I'm sure very gratifying also to know that you've contributed to that field that has probably impacted very positively the lives of uh, many athletes. And, and, and I, I think it's just, it's, it's amazing. It must be very gratifying. Well, yeah. Thank you, Tom. I, I hope we <laughs> hope we've made some contribution anyway. Um, Paul, so just to also talk a little bit about your family, um, your, you know, kids, your wife, and, and so on. Yeah, sure. Let me, if you don't mind, I'm going to backtrack one second because I sure. thought I, I, one other thing that uh, Art Wright did in Oceanside, which I'm not sure that many people recognize, but he started a, a baseball program. And let's see, it was, I was in fifth grade, so that would have been 1952. Mm -hmm. And it was Kiwanis Baseball. Now, the year before, they had started Little League Baseball. And the, uh, you know, just in Little League, is then was the same basically as it is now. The, there's uh, the parents uh, volunteer as coaches and, and uh, these coaches get together and they put make up schedules and they choose up teams, uh, select players, uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, Artie Wright had a different idea with this Kiwanis baseball, and he really just let the kids do it all. Mm -hmm. So he came to the uh, school four and he said, we're going to have this uh, program and you guys put together your team. So we just, a bunch of kids got together. We made up our team. We decided who would play where. We had scheduled our own practices. Uh, no uniforms. Uh, Art Wright got the field, which was at the old high school. Uh -huh. He provided the uh, bats and balls. He provided catcher's equipment. And he umpired the games. And, the, and, and he made the schedule up. So we had... We had two teams I know from school four, and there were, I don't remember how many, but five, six, seven teams from all together from the elementary schools. And we would just show up on uh, uh, the mornings, and it was during the summertime, so there was no conflict with, uh, with schools and didn't have to be on a weekend. We played weekdays. All right. And we would show up at, at nine o'clock and, and we'd have a game. And uh, this went on uh, you know, every day during the, during the week in the summer. And then 
a bunch of us would go home and have lunch and go to Little League games. <laughs> <laughs> so we'd play Kiwanis and then we'd play Little League at night. And uh, it was it was a very successful experience. And I think Art had to be uh, congratulated for his thinking that you know, we don't need coaches, we don't need parents to be directing these kids. These kids can do a lot themselves. And mm -hmm. uh, it, it was it was a lot of fun. So I, I want to make sure that I'm understanding this correctly. Also, I mean, his vision, um, what, which manifested itself in that Kiwanis experience that you're you're sharing, did that ultimately become Oceanside Little League? No, that was separate. So he he was one of the people who were instrumental in starting Little League. But there was a, a group of uh, of community leaders that were involved with that. But Kiwanis, as far as I know, was entirely Art Wright's project. Mm -hmm. And it was totally separate. So this was okay. a morning program that uh, the kids ran themselves. We were our own coaches. We, you mm -hmm. know, it was Art Wright and a bunch of kids doing it all. So how did, how did that go without that uh, parental supervision and the coaching? And how did it go? Were the games uh, relatively free of... Um, conflict or, or or the opposite no the great the games were great and uh there were a lot of good kids uh got a lot of uh, opportunity to play uh more baseball and if, i remember in my i can't remember if it was sixth grade or seventh grade when the we had a particularly good team and by this time now other communities had Kiwanis baseball and there was a uh a playoff like Little League, although it was limited to maybe just the county or maybe even just the South Shore. I, I, don't re I, just, I do remember <clears throat> that uh, an all-star team was chosen and we played a couple of games at the end of the season against, uh, I remember we played Uniondale and we played Valley Stream and, mm -hmm. and there were other teams, but uh, that was about the extent of it. Mm -hmm. Well, great, I, I guess you can say Art was a visionary, and that's part of his legacy. Yeah, I was great. Side. Yeah. Well, that's that's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that because that's one another piece of, of Artie's background that I, I was not aware of. Um, you know, when we first started talking, Paul, you, you said that there were some things that you heard. I don't know if it was the podcast episode with Richie Woods and myself that you heard that there were some facts that needed to be corrected. Yeah, there were, and uh, I, think I hope there were, those were um, facts that Richie said and not me. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing I think I think uh, he had, uh, Richie had heard that uh, uh, Art basically had started Little League himself and was providing all this equipment and and so on and so forth. Uh, but I don't think that's correct. If my memory serves me. I recall that there were several community leaders who were, which including Artie Wright, uh, who put together the, the idea of, uh, of Little League. And then they had tryouts and, and uh, the coach, volunteer coaches, and then they selected the players. And we played over at what was Camp Bauman at that time, which was on Brower Avenue now, is just a, a bunch of, uh, I think, the condominiums. Right, right. Was that Camp Bauman or Camp Allen? Camp Bauman. 
Okay. It was the Bauman family, which uh, then the Bauman buses. I don't know if right. they'll have the school buses, Bauman school buses. But, uh, but that was uh, that was the start of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there were a, a group. It was a group that put all that together. But Art single-handedly put together the Kiwanis program. So when I heard the podcast, I said, I think someone didn't get this quite right. Uh, so that was my comment to Richard. Okay. I'm going to share with Richie. I'm, I'm sure he's going to hear this, and uh, I'll make sure that he makes note of, of the correction that needs to uh, <laughs> to be made or to be taken moving forward. Um, Paul, in the few minutes that we have remaining, can you just, just talk a little bit about your family? Yeah, so I have uh, three children. Uh, they are teachers, and two of them are teachers. One's an attorney, and then by second marriage, I have a, a fourth child, uh, Marjorie, who is also a school teacher. Uh, all are just wonderful kids. Marjorie is in the Hartford, Hartford School District in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other three are all living in Chicago, where I had lived for uh, a, a number of years before taking the position at, at Queens College. Mm-hmm. And now I've uh, retired. I, I met a wonderful woman uh, from Connecticut who very fortuitously had a job moved to from Connecticut to Uniondale. And so it was worked out uh, very well for the, the two of us. Right. And I retired, uh, I'll be four years ago and we relocated to Savannah, Georgia, which has been a, a wonderful experience for us. Are travel plans part of your retirement? Absolutely. So we, we get to travel a fair amount. Uh, we were enjoying our life down here and trying to take advantage of, of, uh, opportunities to see as, as much of the world as we can. Good. Paul, we're, we're going to miss you on Saturday. Uh, this might be an opportunity, uh, to perhaps share anything you want to share at all with everybody who will be together Saturday night celebrating the 50th anniversary of the uh, championship soccer season and soccer game. Anything you want to share? Well, I would congratulate these guys. I've heard from uh, my cousin Warren that this was a a particularly outstanding team. And so I would congratulate the the team for their success. Uh, I understand that the attendance is going to be uh, quite good. A lot of the players are coming back, which is which is always great. You know, these athletic experiences create a bond that uh, we don't forget very easily. Uh, and um, perhaps I suggested this to Rich Woods. Perhaps he might consider having uh, some kind of a reunion for the the '58 team or nominating the '58 team for this Circle of Pride. Uh, award uh, for those who are still remaining from that team. It would be a, a fun experience. And Well, if, if I know Richie Woods, that's something that I'm sure that they were seriously going to consider moving ahead. 
But I congratulate these kids. They were, uh, because they're not kids any longer, but they, they were, uh, it was an outstanding group from what I've been able to, to learn from, uh, particularly from Warren. Right. I had the pleasure. Warren was like an assistant coach. Yes. I, my, uh, my senior year. So I'm looking forward to seeing Warren again on Saturday night. So, Paul, I have to tell you that I've really enjoyed this. And we, we've talked about 40 minutes. And again, like always, these conversations always fly by so quickly. Uh, but I want to thank you for, for taking time out of your schedule, out of your retire, retirement schedule, and uh, for, for being a part of this uh, reunion podcast. Well, thank you, Tom. I, it was enjoyable. And I hope that I've maybe added a little bit of uh, unknown history to uh, to the uh, uh, sport history and, and uh, Oceanside high school history that you hadn't had previously. No, you, you definitely have. And uh, I, I, again, I'm so appreciative of you taking the time. And it was a pleasure uh, getting to talk to you today and getting to know you, you know, and through our conversations the last couple of weeks. So I, I really can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Well, thank you. The pleasure, pleasure was mine, and I'd be interested in, in hearing more after the reunion and the, seeing what the memories of these players and how they've gone on to their, their uh, hopefully, success stories afterwards. So one thing I, I will say before we sign off is I, I know that you'll hear from Warren and, and perhaps from Richie, and I will reach out to you also, but uh, one of the things that uh, my brother Jerry, who was a member of that 68 team, one of the things that he and I are going to do is to have one last podcast, and we're going to incorporate into that final podcast uh, some conversations that take place on Saturday night. So that might make it interesting for those who could not attend to have a, a glimpse into what the evening was like. Yeah, I'd be interested in hearing that. Yeah. So again, Paul, thank you so much. You're welcome, Tom. Thank you. All right. Take care. Yeah, bye. Bye. You've been listening to Spoilers Alerts. Thanks again to Paul Fardy for his contributions to Episode 13 of the Oceanside High School Soccer Reunion Podcasts. We hope you can join us for the final episode coming soon, featuring my brother, Jerry Capone.